Ultimately, everything kind of boils down to one question. What's the fucking point? So let's talk about it. I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and this podcast brings a little levity and a lot of curiosity to some of the biggest questions and ideas that we meager humans can ponder. Join me and our guests each week as we dig into topics around psychology, human behavior, consciousness, spirituality, philosophy, and more, all with a healthy dose of existential angst. And now, today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. And let's just take a moment to revel in all of our little nighttime friends and the chorus they're making for us right now. Ah. So I'm walking outside, and if you've been listening for a while, you know that I sometimes like to record intros or even entire episodes outside. Sometimes there's not much ambient noise, and other times, like right now, we're getting to hear all kinds of little critters out and about. And there's some lovely fireflies in the air and it's you know 8 p.m. or so and so it's finally cooled off it's been pretty warm here this week and even hotter this weekend as I was visiting Texas in the middle of August in the middle of the hottest week of the summer I think Um, one day the heat index was like 112 no probably not the hottest week of the summer (laughs) sadly but quite toasty so it feels lovely right now And I am so excited to share today's guest with you. Her name is Jenny Blake. And I can say without hesitation that if I have not found Jenny's work, you would not be listening to this. This podcast would not exist. She's been a long distance mentor for several years now. And I don't even remember how I first came across her work but she had a podcast for a while that was a little less formal and then it became the Pivot Podcast um, to align with her second book called Pivot. Uh, The only move that matters is your next one. I can't even remember if that's her tagline or the actual tagline of the book, but I love her whole approach to career and just how she does business and life. So that's really what we talk about in this interview. And you can really hear that we're on the same wavelength in a lot of ways. And I think that that made for a really kind of fluid and organic conversation, um, just very in the flow, talking about things that are really important to both of us and getting inside Jenny's brain a little bit, how she operates. Um, one of the things that I do with Jenny, these guys are getting a little loud, aren't they? sassy (laughs) and wow it's only slightly uphill and I'm getting a little winded but that's okay because we're keeping it real right Um, I don't love the polish thing anyway we actually talked about that in the interview so one of the things that I do with Jenny is I'm a member of her private community called momentum and she's really kind of honed it down Um, you'll hear more in the interview kind of specifically who it's for But as a solopreneur or person kind of building a small business on your own or as a team, that's really kind of who it's perfect for. And I obviously fit in that category. So 
it has been such an awesome place to just get encouragement and support and guidance from Ginny. She's just brilliant and so humble too, which are my favorite kind of people. So I know you're gonna love this conversation and a couple more things before we get into it. Wow, the sun is setting now and it's beautiful. And by the way, the full moon is happening tonight and peaking, I think, in the morning. So putting a little full moon juju, <laughs> juju into this interview, into this intro for you. Um, so if you didn't hear me mention it on the last episode or you've already forgotten, I recently started a women's community on Facebook and that is any folks identifying as a woman. It's called Seeds of Power and it has been so awesome just getting to know people more and engaging and doing our weekly check-ins and checkouts. It is so much fun. So if you feel pulled toward that, toward having a little kind of island of sanity on Facebook, then we would love to have you there. Just go on Facebook and search Seeds of Power or you can find that all this stuff on my website. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear what's resonating with you, what topics you'd like to hear more of, what guests you'd like to hear me bring on. As always, email me, uh, send me a DM on Instagram, send me a carrier pigeon or owl, whatever. I am so happy to hear from you. So happy that you are listening. And wherever this podcast finds you today, wherever you are listening in your car, in your house, on a walk, just know that I am sending you so much love and gratitude and just so glad that you're here. Without further ado, let's get into the episode with Jenny Blake. So Jenny, what from the last 24 hours has been most fun or exciting for you? Ooh, what a question. Well, I feel that I went up and down the entire mood spectrum in the last 24 hours. <laughs> I woke up over the weekend feeling really down. I've been working very hard on my business for all all year, if not all eight plus years. And I just hit this huge dip as a result of a client payment arriving very late. It just kind of set off a chain of dominoes. But by the afternoon, I had had coffee with two friends who are also small business owners, solopreneurs, and that really lifted my spirits. And one of them texted me this morning, Jonathan Fields, who's a longtime mentor and friendor of mine. And he sent me this amazing article that we'll have to put in the show notes that he wrote about the being in the middle and just being in that phase. I'm trying to find the name for it. Um, the unfortunate awesome. middle. And <laughs> Jonathan is such a beautiful person and he's always been such a wise mentor and friend to me. And I just, he sent this to me at the perfect moment. It's one of those pieces. I'm sure you can relate Valerie from podcasts or reading things online of like every sentence spoke to me. So that just gave me the boost and the comfort that I needed to kind of go into this day with actual momentum and not just rolled in a curled in a ball on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. And I, Jonathan's podcast is one that I've followed for years, kind of in, you know, ebb and flow. I go through phases with what I enjoy listening to, but I love his. And it's so, so funny. I'm like, ooh, I'm two degrees of separation from Jonathan Fields. And just Absolutely. like, it's so cool when, like, just the, 
what can happen when you take the courage to just reach out and connect to people um, like I was telling you before we started recording, I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking to Jenny Blake and I've listened to you for <laughs> years and and read your stuff. And um, and actually just last night, so you know Erin Stutland, right? Um, yes, love we'll put her, her stuff in the show notes too. So just like sidebar, um, she has this new program called The Movement. It's a subscription service where she brings her sort of like workouts plus affirmations, brings it together. It's amazing. I love it. And so I joined that when she launched it recently. I may have even heard about her through your podcast originally years ago, but um, and finally joined the Facebook group and like made a post about something that I think would be nice to have. And I didn't expect her to actually respond, but she did. And then I was like, I just happened to click her name and I saw we we had um, a couple friends in common, including you. So I just commented, I was like, by the way, look for an email oh. from me about being on my podcast soon. And I'm interviewing Jenny Blake tomorrow. And she's like, tell Jenny I said hello. She's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. So, I know. Yeah. Tell Erin I say hi. Erin right. Stutland is such a beautiful person as well. And I love what she's creating too. And I have to say, I love the way that you jump in. When you join things, you actually participate and show up. You're not just a lurker. And even though I run a community and you're part of it, like I'm a lurker. I don't do a great <laughs> job at that. I feel shy. I don't know what to post. I get so... I just have to give you a high five and a kudos too for well, jumping jumping in and giving yeah. feedback because I think sometimes people hesitate to participate or give feedback or ask questions. And actually that's the heartbeat of these right. communities is being willing to raise your hand. And then I guarantee their team is going to hear what you're looking for and it will become more and more what you need, which then that's what builds that momentum over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I certainly lurk more in some communities, but it's like if there's a group or there's a person that you feel just really connected to or in alignment with and you have, a, you know, accessibility to that person or that that community that they've cultivated, like why not be proactive in that? And and that, you know, just like part of the lesson in all of this for me is like, you know, I'm this like random chick from Texas and Tennessee and like now I have these mentors in New York who are like actually becoming friends of mine and it's just so neat how relationships can build and we can connect and learn and grow from each other if we just kind of have the courage to you know lift our little hands up <laughs> absolutely and it's part of the reason that podcasting is so powerful and has been for me too because having a podcast gave me the courage to reach out to some of those people because I knew I'd be adding value and at least that conversation would be recorded. And no matter what the size of yours or my community or anybody's, it's, I think it's also easier for people to say yes to be on something like a podcast than a hundred coffees a year where you don't really know. I mean, of course, like there's a, a, an effort to pay it forward, but it's not really sustainable at certain levels. But with a podcast, I think people generally do feel like if I can say yes, I will. And then you and I, who are hosts, get to just geek out with some of our favorite people and get to know them and become friends just like we are here. Totally. So speaking of geeking out, one of the things that I find most impressive and inspiring about you and sort of how you do life is how committed you are to learning. And I am such a huge learner myself. Like I just, you know, wish that I could go to school forever and uh, full time be reading and learning. Um, 
and and yet because you know I think that I really need to 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 uh, dig into more of Cal Newport's work. I've loved his, his, we'll put links to his um, interviews from your podcast in the show notes. Uh, but my brain, like I am like case study number one on this because I, I just, I know my brain has really been impacted by the my relationship with technology over the past, you know, 15 years or whatever. And so I go to sit down with a book and I come up with, you know, 57 other things that I should be doing. And should I be on ADHD medication? Probably. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's so easy to let that kind of activity fall way down the priority list. And I'm so um, curious to know for you, like, was it really easy to make that a priority and a consistent commitment? Or what has helped you to do that consistently? Oh, I love this question, too. You're such a great interviewer. Um, (laughs) It's so important. And you're right, we're all becoming more and more inundated with pings and notices and inboxes and everything online. I heard many, many years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, somebody said, if something is truly a priority in your life, you don't even have to call it a priority. I think it was Mm. Merlin Mann, who I don't really follow currently, but is a really smart thinker, just like Cal Newport. And he's right. Like when something is genuinely vitally important to our health and well-being, we don't even call it a priority necessarily. I mean, health, wellness, sleep, we could say these are priorities, but we probably don't need to write sleep on our to-do list. We just know to do it. Mm -hmm. For me, reading is that way. Reading books is oxygen. It is Mm -hmm. fuel for my soul, for my spirit, for my business. It's the it's everything. And it's so cool that you pulled out this love of learning above all the other things, because I don't talk about it that often, but it's true. Like I, I feel a voracious quest to learn and and grow. And also I know what I'm building. And so, so I go through different phases of reading very spiritually oriented books to reading about dog training to now really diving in on the business front. I'm reading every book I can find on scaling and not to big VC venture capital levels, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. But I'm trying to build more systems and scale into my business so that if anything were to happen or wanted to take a month or a year off, it wouldn't all grind to a halt. Mm -hmm. And this has been my quest for eight years. So for me, that hour or two of reading in the morning is so crucial because I feel like I'm upgrading the operating system in my brain. Mm -hmm. And when I feel a competing thought like, well, but you have all these overdue emails that you haven't responded to. Like that's my usual narrative. That would be the one thing that would sort of get in the way of that reading time is that feeling of guilt or pressure of what I haven't done and that what's overdue. And email gives me that more than strategic things in my business because it's other people who have written to me, friends, community members, who doesn't matter, podcast guests, doesn't matter. It's just people that I know who have written to me. And then I remind myself that as a life philosophy, do I want to be good at email? Is that my goal in life (laughs) to be good at email or to be good at texting? Not really. I want to build a powerful sort of freedom and heart-based business. And I'm okay with not being great at email or texting. This is something I've accepted about myself. And most people in my life will either understand it or they won't. They won't stick around for long. But I, I just realized that kind of something has to give. And so this morning I was very adamant about working on 
strategic projects in my business after reading time for two hours. And I'm overdue on all those emails I thought I would get to, but I actually got big things done. So that's what kind of reinforces the cycle when it's going well, which it isn't always. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And and just balancing too, because you know, you, you consume a lot of that, but you're also creating. And I think that's another hard thing to balance because especially now that we have all like all of these very easily accessible multimedia ways to consume um, through podcasts and, you know, fictional stuff and just everything that I think sometimes I'm consuming way too much of other people's ideas and not leaving enough space, you know, and believing that like, oh, I got to like, everyone else has it figured out. So I have to learn from them rather than going, well, everyone else made everything up to begin with and I can make shit up too. Right. Or they are getting it from somewhere else that they're not really citing. So it sounds like everyone has come up with this unique wisdom on their own. And then I'll put two and two together and I'll be like, but I just heard this on this other podcast from there two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then it's not referenced like that drives me crazy. I always try to give credit where it's due. And if I have a concept in my mind, I give credit of what book or where I found it. That's probably why you know of so many books that I've shared in momentum. And sometimes to a fault, people will say, well, you know, I don't know, just like own it, own your ideas, which I try to do that too. But what you said is so crucial, which is there's such a fine line between listening to other podcasts and reading books and people's websites and seeing what they're doing for inspiration and to know what's going on in the space and to learn. And then it's so easy to fall into the compare and despair pit of like everything has already been done. And then I was in this pattern the last few weeks where I would have an idea, get really excited about it for creating content and then see someone else like would launch a whole program that seemed Mm -hmm. bigger and better and more sophisticated and more detailed with fancier sales materials. And I would just kept getting so deflated. And at a certain point I realized, okay, just like you said, okay, time to close the books, like eyes back on my own paper, just do what I can do to the best of my ability, launch in a way that feels good to me and not worry about the rest and and not worry if 10 other, I, just, I get very sensitive about um, the noise in the, especially in the online space mm-hmm. of everyone's just teaching everyone else how to make money online. And at the same time, my favorite thing that I do is building my business and building systems and creating shortcuts for other people. So I try to balance those two things, like my my allergy to how much is going on in that space with my genuine desire to share what I've learned. Oh, yeah. And I so relate to that. And I think that, you know, just even going back to like the email thing, it's just such a good example of how incredibly different us humans can be because it's like I will get once I got to this like magical sort of inbox zero place and I'm you know managing like four different inboxes and trying to keep them all as close to zero as I can and I get like stressed if they're and then you'll see people who have like 4,000 unread emails in their gmail and they're just like oh yeah they just live there and you know and we could probably make the argument that the the most sane place is somewhere in between that where it's not this obsessive thing but um but yeah we're just all so different and so even looking at like the voices that we resonate with 
online in this very noisy community of business and Instagram influencers and personal growth and and all of that like I there's this other podcast that I won't name that I have listened to a little bit on and off but I just had this realization as I was listening to it I was like this woman is so brilliant and she so prepares so well for her episodes she reads things out like an essay format um she has a good reading I just don't resonate with it like there's just something sounds you know out there but it's that it's almost like the the energetic frequency is just it's not for me but Mm. you have that you know you've cultivated that really beautiful balance between the polished professional um businessy and the fluid um and feeling and kind of energy and I'm like okay well I don't need to follow everyone just because they are smart and have good things to say like I can narrow down the voices that I'm listening to and I think that goes for anybody even outside of business world well thank you so much for saying that and I feel the same way when I listen to your show that you're so you you're present you're in the moment you ask great questions as you already have on this one And I love the topics you've covered with your guests. And it's so funny. And this is why we're friends and we're connected because I have the same reaction that when I go listen to a podcast and there are several now where I feel that they're very scripted, even if there's good information, there's something that's not alive for it, for me in it. And it's like you said, the frequency, there's a resonance, there's a soul quality that doesn't quite come through when someone's just reading off a script. And for that reason, I don't, I don't read off of scripts for my episodes and therefore sometimes they wander or it's awkward or maybe it's not quite as tight as it would be otherwise, but it's just not my style because it's not what I'm attracted to either. And I can only take so much of it. Like I could probably binge content where people are genuinely in the moment and sharing valuable things. I'm not a fan of the, just the three hour straight up conversation, (laughs) but Yeah, it's true with too much formality. And I think that's kind of a a constant reminder that I try to remind myself of just dropping perfectionism over and over and over again. For example, I just interviewed someone the day before she's leaving for a big trip. She has a book coming out called So You Want to Start a Podcast. Hmm. And when I went back to listen to the recording, my heart sank. Like because of microphone and internet connectivity issues we recorded, I called in from my phone to a conference line. I plugged my fancy mic in to my iPhone, but it didn't pick it up. No. So the sound is worse than even what it would have been on AirPods, like my Apple headphones, default headphones. It was worse. It's echoey. It's far away. And I thought, should I just not release this interview? Or do I just say in the intro, I'm really bummed this happens every now and then the audio on my side is not good, but I think you're going to love what Kristen has to say. So I'm sharing it anyway, and I'm going to share it anyway. And I don't know if it'll work. Maybe it's going to annoy some people, but maybe somebody is going to get something out of it about starting their own podcast that they wouldn't have if I didn't release it. And I know certain podcasters who would be mortified. They would never zero times out of a hundred would they release audio with this quality, but I don't know. I'm going to try it. Yeah. And I I am all for that dropping perfectionism. And, you know, it's, yeah, if at times what we're putting out there is 
we wish that it would have been a little better or a little different, but we can't redo it. And so it's just here this is. Take it or leave it. You don't have to listen if the quality bothers you. Um, but there's just trying to be perfect and do it all polished. It just doesn't feel real. Um, yeah, and I, I just, wonder I don't know how people do it. It doesn't no. work for me. Yeah, no. it's too overwhelming. Yeah. So did you, when you got into entrepreneurship and starting your own thing eight years ago, did you, were you already in a space in your life where you were like, all right, I'm going to make this a heart-based business? Or was that something that evolved more over time? I didn't have that language for it, but I've always been stubborn. And what I mean by that is stubborn of not doing what everyone else is doing online if, if it makes my skin crawl. So I, what I call heart-based is, is building things and building in a way that resonates, that feels soul-connected, that is joyful, that is easeful, that feels like a gift and a sharing and a connection with your community. So... I refuse. I won't even sign up. There's an email service called ConvertKit because I can't stand the thought that someone in my community would click on a link from my newsletter and see the URL ConvertKit as they were <laughs> going to a destination. And everyone's using ConvertKit. It's way more sophisticated than the software that I'm using right now for email. But I, I, I don't want to do it. It's like they're not a conversion to be had. These are community members. They're not fans. They're not followers. They're not users. Like even, so I think over time I've really honed my language and, and why it's important to me. And so in the beginning, almost right away, I realized how exhausting the launch model was. And that's why I went from launching courses and getting burnt out and tired, um, every time to realizing I can't keep doing this. I can't sanely run a business this way. So in addition to my coaching and speaking, that's what sparked me launching the momentum community five years ago. And it's so funny because I did it out of just following my own energy. And now launching a membership site is like the go-to thing. Right. <laughs> it's what everyone's doing for good reason. I actually think everybody benefits because it encourages adding value month over month over time. And, and for the business owner, they're also getting steady recurring revenue. So there's a lot to like about it. And if you're part of a community as you are in several, it's great. You really get a chance to dive in and learn and grow over time. I've been part of uh, Tosha Silver's Outrageous Openness Forum for over four years, maybe five now. I don't know. I lose track and I dip in and out. So this is a long way of saying I'm, I always sort of check in with myself. Like, am I getting caught up in shoulds in my life and my work? And if so, how do I stop and reassess? And one of my mantras, as you know, well, is let it be easy. Let it be fun. Mm -hmm. So if something is feeling like a drag or a should or just everyone else is doing it. I stop and I say, how do I cut this down to the minimum viable product basically, and then add from there. So what's the minimum I need to get the word out about this thing. And then it kind of takes the pressure off. And then later I'll add in other parts. And I do that with all areas of my business. I just happen to be talking and thinking now about things like online community building, but I do it even with companies. I'll look at what's causing stress and how do I, that's kind of the reason I 
written my two books because I don't like doing outbound sales. I don't, I can't, it's not me. I don't like to get on the phone and pitch myself. So I'd rather write a book and invest three years into ideas (laughs) and a framework and then have them come to me. It works so much better for me that way. Yeah. Your book will sell you. You don't have to do it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's my hope with the podcast too. I'd rather not kind of overtly market and sell myself all the time. I just want to have a podcast And I believe if I add enough value, if it's a good enough podcast, listeners will tell their friends that when they're comparing podcasts in their, you know, in their, in their phones and they say, what are you listening to these days that they'll tell a friend. And so word of mouth is something that's very important to me. And I don't worry too much actually about quote marketing outside of that, because I, it just encourages me to raise the bar and give and add as much value as I can such that people genuinely want to tell their friends, not because I say, please go rate and review this podcast. Please send it to a friend. I don't think if it's genuinely good, people don't even need to hear that. They're going to share it anyway. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that like your attention to language, because I think some people would just be like, oh, well, it's just semantics. Like all these other words fit too. They're all synonymous. But, you know, I guess, especially from my my sort of therapist lens, the idea of, of framing things in a certain way and our language is so powerful and it, it does really can it change dramatically the sort of felt experience of whatever it is you're talking about. And you you said this just on a recent podcast episode and I loved it. I was like, ooh, I got to take that. Um, the idea of like even the tasks that you know you need to do that are not necessarily the parts that light you up, like sending the emails to the people who are in your email community um, that, hey, this thing is now available again, that the nurture sequence or whatever, the the sort of marketing terminology that, that when you see that in your calendar, it's like, Ugh. but if you can frame it a certain way of like, in, in inviting new members into my community. Okay, that feels a lot more doable. And again, I feel like that's something that with just any kind of the all the life stuff that we have to do in service of our big why and our things that matter to us, how can we sort of like, you know, not trick our brain, but like frame it in a way that that reconnects us to the why and helps us to be excited about it so that it feels more joyful. Yes. Joyful, authentic. It's in a way we're all making friends online. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Like, I think this is why podcasts are so successful because when you listen to someone else's show, you kind of feel that you're getting to know them in a really intimate way. And they're almost your friend, a friend from afar. If you like, in this case, we know each other, but otherwise it's, I think such a way that you you can't really hide. I think it's very hard to hide behind a podcast. And maybe this is the reason we don't like scripts because it kind of does hide something like something's getting uh, cleaned out. I don't know how to explain it, Lost, yeah. but yeah, lost. Thank you. And so same thing with, with launching or inviting. So yeah, even just for me shifting from launch, launch sequence to invitation and writing a letter works better for me and it's not going to attract everybody. But when I, when I try to make it so fancy and produced, it just loses something for me. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just so important and it's easy to forget. It's really easy to forget because 
for me, I see what other people do. I see what's working and I don't want to, I want to learn, you know, I definitely want to learn and try to, people have learned things the hard way and I can kind of take their shortcuts and apply them. But it's always kind of a balance of those things and experimenting and what's the point if we're not having fun with all of this? Really? What is the point? Exactly. Which is why the name of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. See, I gave a product plug and I didn't even mean to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we've kind of like danced around this idea of spirituality so far and sort of making decisions in life and in business that feel really aligned and and genuine and real um, and how just how attuned we are to picking up that or the lack of that in other people or or messages that we encounter. Um, so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about sort of your spiritual background and how you landed in the place where you are now. Yeah, I... For most of my 20s and even my childhood, our family was neither spiritual nor religious. So just didn't, I grew up in San Francisco and Palo Alto. It was, it wasn't, I don't think the word God was mentioned in our household. That's kind of how, um, just, it just wasn't present that whole concept and, and sense of community. Maybe I went to Sunday school as a kid, but in my 20s and sort of taking this like hardline atheist perspective on life, I just felt like, what can I know? And when you die, you're dead. This is how I thought. Even as I started reading Buddhist and Taoist books in the personal development space, I just reached a breaking point. And for any astrology fans out there, it was truly around the time of my Saturn return where my whole life just felt like it collapsed on itself. And I, it was after I left Google, but I was two years into running my own business and just felt like, I think I cried every day in 2013. I just could not get solid footing. And I was questioning everything, redoing everything. And that's when I really had a breakdown that as cliche as it is led to the breakthrough. (laughs) But the breakdown was, I just can't live like this anymore. I'm too sensitive for my own life. I cannot continue like this. I'd written a blog post called 10,000 hours of neuroses. That was the thing I felt I had honed over 10,000 hours. (laughs) And that's when I, and that's actually when I found Tosha Silver's work and this concept of surrender and outrageous openness and asking for guidance from something bigger than myself. And that created an opening and that practice of surrender and asking to be shown the next steps and asking for guidance and starting to meditate and get quiet. And it just helped me so much. It, it really, every day I started to tune in more because when you say, show me the next steps, yes, maybe it's God and the universe and maybe it's also your own body and my own intuition was starting to give me signals. So it, was, it becomes, I think, also a really connected relationship with the body because to live and build businesses even in an intuitive way means constantly checking in to how am I feeling? How does this resonate? Even pricing. Uh, as you know, I'll give the advice like, have three numbers when you're pricing something or negotiating a contract minimum needed to even say yes at all. Nice to have and jumping out of bed with glee. And that's a body feeling. There's a feeling of a pit in our stomach. If we price something too low and we don't even want to do the work or we resent it, that's too low. And it's kind of, for me, it's my body that has that reaction. 
And then jumping out of bed with glee is like physically, you know, even the way I describe it, jumping out of bed, like what has you light up and feel hope and possibility and inspiration. And I think we could ask ourselves those questions with so much and that for me, so that all started 2013 and now it's just, it's the way that I live and it's created so much calm and peace and that when things are going haywire, which did happen. I mentioned right at the start of this, I'm coming out of a big dip over the weekend. But even if I'm going through a dip, even if I'm down and discouraged, there is a part of me that remembers this is all happening for my highest evolution and growth. And how is this the perfect thing to be unfolding at the perfect time? What am I meant to learn? What am I meant to do differently? And so when I can have the space and calm and rest and recharging, to ask those questions and sit with the answer, then I am shown the next steps. And it's so funny because just today I I did write those invitation letters for Momentum, Momo 3.0, and I'd been dreading it. And so the shift actually worked. Like I'm, this is live in this moment that the shift did happen, but we don't always know when. It's just so helpful to create the space for it to occur. Right. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, just hearing kind of that evolution from like the sort of cynical, like, well, you're, you die and then you're dead and there's like no one pulling the strings and helping you out. We're all kind of, you know, on our own or at least just have our human communities here. It's, I, I still, it's something that I still feel like I sort of am on the fence around and I'm so open to a lot of the spiritual ideas but there there comes a point where like some of them lose me when it feels like like I really like the idea of the universe has your back. But then, you know, I think of all of the pain and suffering and it's it's just really hard sometimes. And that's where like certainly not on your podcast or the messages you're you're kind of sharing, but in some other realms of, you know, talking about the the spiritual stuff and law of attraction and manifesting and all of that. It just, there are certain ways of talking about it that just feel really tone deaf. And so I'm, I'm just, yeah, I wonder how you navigate that sort of dynamic that it doesn't mean that it's not true. Like it, you have felt it is true. Like when I ask, I am supported, I am shown. Um, and like, why is there this all this stuff happening to other people? Are they just not asking well enough or you know what I mean? Oh, I'm so glad you're saying this. I think just acknowledging exactly what you just said is so, so crucial. And I'm sure I could do a much better job even than I do. But just like you, I try to stay aware of how privileged we are and how much we have, like just to run your own business is such an incredible, immense privilege, which is why I don't like to find myself in a position where I'm complaining about really any aspect of it. But even more than that, this notion, well, everything that happens is for my highest good. You're right. Like there's so much trauma and terrible things that, and suffering that happens all over the world, every minute of every day. And exactly like, are we going to tell those victims? Basically, it's so many situations like, oh, yeah, you didn't manifest hard enough or no, sorry, the universe has certain people's back, but not others. Right. It's not going to work and it doesn't work and it's unfair and it's cruel. Um, and I've thought a lot about this 
the only thing I can say is at the same time, the people who someone of a good friend of mine once said to me, you don't choose your suffering, but you can transform it. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't think, you know, there's so many pe- children, like innocent victims, like people all around the world. And I've thought a lot about this because I've done a lot of reading about souls and what happens after we die and how souls reincarnate and, and these questions came up for me. Mm-hmm. And even doing work with men and women who are incarcerated, they're either in prison or they've been released. Um, the ones who can get back up, there, there is a moment of agency. There is a moment of saying, I didn't choose to be here or be in this position or react to the person who fired at me or whatever the situation was. But there, I do believe that the kind of the paradox of existence is still making a choice to see whatever happens as an opportunity to, to grow, to start over, to create in a new direction, to believe in oneself. Um, so it's a little bit of both and for me, because I also think it's quite patronizing to just see people as, as victims and, and just to say, well, no, this isn't your fault. And, you know, don't, don't even try to change your thinking because it's not your fault. Like on some right. level, we just want everyone to be able to like empower themselves um, in some way with support. And that's the other thing. I think there's so much structural inequality in in our society that I have benefited from as a white, heterosexual, Western woman uh, that grew up with two parents that told me they loved me. You know, like already that's such a privilege. So I do feel it's a responsibility for those of us that grew up with advantages like those to give back in whatever ways that we can. Right. Yeah. And the both and is is exactly right, because we have to be like calling these things out, acknowledging them, the systemic kind of oppression and injustices and, you know, doing what we can to put people in positions of power that are going to do better to to show up with our own energy and effort um, in support of doing better, which, you know, talk about your your um, Defy Ventures work in a minute. But like all of that and like also to encourage people that there there is some power in being able to learn how to how to think differently have a different relationship with um difficult thoughts and feelings and <clears throat> that stepping more like not as like oh get rid of all your negative thoughts but but that there's a lot of power in learning how to like build yourself up and and see the good and so it, it's like all sides of it are necessary yeah, uh, absolutely, 100%. And I think, like I said, it just I love that you brought it up even on this conversation. And it's funny, too, because a lot of this has come up for me in the reading about abundance or the money space. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, it's weird because to a, to a large extent, having beliefs around like, you know, everything in my environment is a mirror of myself or I have created every relationship, every circumstance in my life is a direct mirror of my energy and my thinking. (laughs) It's hard because sometimes I used to really bristle at all of that too. And then when I take extreme ownership, as Jocko Willink calls it, now I can't get his name associated with that out of my head or like radical acceptance of Mm -hmm. what's happening. I am more empowered than when I just think that other people are the problem. So when I look at how did I participate in this? How did I create this? Or how am I the one that's sticking around for this? Even if someone's treating me badly, 
then then I am more empowered. But it's such a catch-22 because, of course, sometimes it's so discouraging to just think like, oh, then it, it can easily turn into, well, it's my fault or I'm just right. not manifesting hard enough. And it ultimately boils down to like the worldview of either seeing the world through just like a largely individualistic lens versus like the we're, we're all in this together kind of thing. Um, even last night, so I'm, I'm co-chair of the worship committee at um, the First Unitarian Universalist Church here. And it's, I, I call it hippie church because, um, you know, you can be That's Christian, you so can be atheist, cool. you can be, you know, Buddhist, you can be Jewish, whatever, Muslim. Um, and we were, were talking about the theme of evil for one of our upcoming months. And um, the idea of, and this is not original, this is a conversation, I don't know who, who maybe said this first, but the idea of racism as America's original sin. And somebody's like, well, hold, like, hold on, because we got a lot of people in these churches who have a lot of religious wounding from ideas like original sin. They're like, wait a minute, I thought we didn't believe in original sin here. And my minister, she's like, well, you know, we really don't from the individual sense, but collectively, when we try to answer hard questions of like, why do good people do bad things why do people hurt each other we do i mean Jungian would call it like the the sort of collective shadow and so i think that's also a lot of what's at play um when when things are happening so it's like if somebody's just had really shitty circumstances it's not even necessarily that they just they haven't had the right energetic frequency it's like well there's also this collective shadow at play too so we we've got to work on that layer of it as well and like with yeah so. Oh, so well said. I love that this is a theme. You have the coolest pivot portfolio of activities that you do of like <laughs> anyone I've ever met. It's really incredible. Nice. Um, yeah, Michael and I were talking about that because he was raised Christian and my husband's Lebanese. He's from Beirut and I'm, you know, as described and like this, this notion of original sin or I am a sinner in it. it bugs me it gets under my skin and I think he was explaining something similar and even when I was in the seminary program at Union this topic came up and the the best way that I heard it described was exactly as you just said Valerie it was from the president who's now on sabbatical Grace um, oh Serene Serene Jones she wrote a book on grace and she was saying that it's 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 also the original sins of our society mm-hmm. and the structural forces that we're we're born into and just being willing to own and acknowledge maybe what our ancestors were part of that we're benefiting from so i really love the way you put it and what a juicy and important topic to be diving into oh yeah very interesting conversations so like with regard to what we can do as individuals to to slowly chip away at some of these systems of oppression. Tell us a little bit about the work you do with Defy Ventures. I love Defy. I heard about it when I read Catherine Hoke's book, A Second Chance. And something about this book, just it leapt out of the pages. I don't know why I felt so drawn to this program. And even a year prior, I had clipped an article from the New York Times Magazine on the, the first 24 hours after and someone who is in prison is released and how crucial they are and how little support there is. And I remember feeling really compelled even at that time and thinking, should I go volunteer? What can I do? And I was a little scared to be totally honest at that time. I was like, what am I doing? What's a young 
woman doing like meeting prisoners the second they're getting out of prison you know and so it took me time to also mature and learn more and and just understand the systemic issues around incarceration especially in America it's shocking and so with defy I just love what they stand for and I felt like here's this intersection of defy which teaches incarcerated and formerly incarcerated men and women to transform their hustle. So it specifically teaches business and entrepreneurship skills so that they can do something, create a business and create with the same skill set that possibly could have landed them in prison. Um, How do you transform it? And so this is something that was just at the perfect intersection for me of I love business and career mentoring and coaching. And so being able to go into prisons, I've gone in to Wallkill here in New York City for a day long. I've done that probably three or four times, and it's just so fun. The guys in the program, the one I've been is a men's prison, are so warm, so welcoming, so bright, so smart, so driven, so heart-centered. Like I was just blown away from the first time I went to the most recent. And then the post-release mentoring nights are getting together in New York City, doing one-on-one, rotating, doing coaching, and soon I'm going to be piloting a Q&A call, just like we have a momentum I've offered to Defy to do something that is scalable, that people could call in from anywhere, because sometimes they're working and they might not have time or be able to get to the physical location for the mentoring. So we'll see how it goes with doing it kind of over the phone in a more accessible way. Awesome. Yeah, that just sounds like the kind of work that is so perfect when it feels so equally mutually beneficial like you genuinely love doing it it's not like you're coming in as this savior you're just like you know I happen to have these skills and I'm available to come in and share them and it's just awesome and I'm really passionate about continuing to learn about criminal justice and mass incarceration and you know little plug that we should all be considering that is uh, an issue when we're looking at people's platforms over the next Mm. few months yes Totally. And just as you said, like, it's a way that I felt I could give in a really concrete, substantial way, I think. And as well, just presence is a gift. Mm -hmm. So it's funny, because even within these visits where we go into the prison, there are some mentors who come in and they start just talking, you know, and sometimes that's what the person sitting in front of them needs. But other times it's powerful questions. It's coaching skills. So it's it's not just jumping in and giving advice and assuming, oh, I'm from the outside. I know everything. Let me just tell you what to do. <laughs> it's asking them, what do you enjoy? What lights you up? What have you been really good at in the past? What do you, what does success look like for you in this area? And then giving advice. So I think it's also balancing and knowing that just, just presence and listening and attention alone is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I feel like we've we've touched on this a little bit, but to just really synthesize, and I'm going to ask this question a little differently, and you can speak to to kind of why it feels it feels good for you. So Jenny, what is the effing point? <laughs> I believe the effing point of it all is to live, love, learn, and serve mm-hmm. in any order. We live, we are playing the human game. We are here to experience. Um, I just heard at a talk the other night, Megan Watterson said, and I think she was quoting Mary Magdalene from one of the uh, Gnostic Gospels, that 
this body is our soul's chance to incarnate in this lifetime. So living to me is playing the human game, like for all the paradoxes, all the mess, all the joy and love. I really believe love is the currency of our planet and it's, it's, I strive for it. I can't say I hit it every day, but to live as love and to be as loving and compassionate in every interaction and every thought that I have as I move through the world, it doesn't always happen, but it's my aim learning. I think as humans, I actually think it's just it's not unique. I think we all love to learn and grow. And that's the nature of being human is this, this constant expansion. The universe itself is expanding and at an accelerated rate. And I think the same is true for us if we embrace that and the uncertainty and change and chaos that comes with it and serve like to give facilitates all the rest. And so for me, that's always been so crucial is just how can I be most helpful and I ask it over and over and I don't always hit it, but that's always my aspiration. Mm-hmm. Amen. Love is the currency of our planet. I love that. And I just have to ask you to mention on air too, because when I sent you my questionnaire and, you know, the show is called What's the Fucking Point? Um, <laughs> and I am sort of, you know, unapologetic about having this like, you know, levity and, sil- and silliness and... um you know, I have my feelings about sort of certain whatever curse words, but I I loved what you said about this. So tell us about why effing feels better for you. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. Sometimes it feels really good to drop an F-bomb. It's like you just got to do it. And I love Valerie. I love that you're like unapologetic <laughs> and this is your show and this is the name. And it's so awesome for me. And in the we, we spoke about language and it's so funny that language came up even earlier in the conversation. There were times where I would say the F word. See, look, I'm not even saying it now. And I would just feel a little like it lowered my vibration ever so slightly. And so I kind of made a commitment to try to not drop them so liberally in my language mm-hmm. and to keep my podcast for the most part, unless a guest kind of drops it. Although the other day I said bullshit on an episode and I'm like, (laughs) is this a problem? Do I wish I wouldn't have said that? I don't know. I had written a blog post called self-love formulas are bullshit of like, you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Um, yeah. So that felt important to me, just like you with the name of your show felt important. Like I needed to call BS on this. But yeah, so I wrote back to you. You said, okay, well, just so you know, I'm going to ask you this question. And I wrote back and like, no problem. FYI, <laughs> I probably won't say the actual F word, but, uh, and whatever, there might be someone listening who is so annoyed by my stance on this. And I totally get it. There might've been a time where I'm like, who is this idiot? And <laughs> then I read earlier this year, which is very helpful to me is that you should expect to disgust some people with your mm-hmm. philosophy and your sales materials and the communications you write. And I finally this year, I think almost 15 years after starting an online platform, I finally feel ready and okay that if some people are just completely turned off and like disgusted that I won't even drop a simple F-bomb on a podcast, you know, <laughs> because cool. It's just my, my style right now and it could change, but that's exactly, that's why. Yeah, Funny, and I, I mean, and I just thank yeah. for understanding too. Of course, I mean, I because it's it's not often that we get to hear a different perspective on that. That's not about like moralistic 
you know, judgment and all of that kind of shaming and stuff. So I really, really love that. And also I'll just plug really quick. Um, you would probably love, there's a song called language. The artist is Trish's, um, on, you can find it on Spotify and, and it's just such a beautiful song that I think speaks to a lot of kind of what we've talked about today around language. Um, and I interviewed her on episode 39, so I'll put that in the show notes too. But yeah, as we're kind of wrapping up, um, I know you talked a little bit about momentum earlier, but tell us kind of what we need to know about what you're up to and things we should keep an eye on with your work right now. Thank you so much. Well, I'm I'm so grateful for momentum because it brought me to you and vice versa brought you into the fold. And that's exactly what it's meant to be. It's a private community for mostly solopreneurs at this point. I used to say side hustlers. I'd say if you're real serious already, then cool, you're welcome. But like you're welcome into the fold. But it's going to be most helpful for solopreneurs who are looking to build six-figure scalable heart-based businesses. Like you are you want to it's not just about the money, it's not just maximizing your profit and how much you can earn online, but it's really systems across four areas financial intelligence, energy intelligence, business building and leadership intelligence, which includes team building and delegation, and then financial intelligence. So just shortcuts, systems, strategies to create more ease and joy and time and freedom in our businesses. It's something I'm passionate about because it's important to me to feel joyful as I'm building my business and free up time to live life and not just get burnt out even as a solopreneur, sometimes when we quit our jobs, we can become our own worst boss. So that's what I love to do. It's what I love to think about. It's what I love to teach. And that's what momentum is. So it's a community. We have a private Facebook group, Q and a calls every two weeks, and it might even increase and all kinds of just tools and templates and workshops to help along those four categories that I mentioned. And it really boosts me like Valerie, you can't imagine just having you in the mix. You're someone that it lets me know I must be doing something right to have attracted you into the fold and for us to get to be connected in this way. So thank you for being so much of the heart and soul of momentum too. Yeah. And doors I know will be opening again in what, October? Yeah. If you go to pivotmethod.com slash momentum and just sign up for the notification list, I'm doing a webinar to kick off the doors open on 1010, October 10th. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it will be 10 streams of solopreneur income, scalable streams. Awesome. So if you want to join for the webinar, that's totally free. And then it's kind of, a, if somebody likes my approach and likes my style and resonates and they want to join momentum to get even more, then you can. But all of that is at pivotmethod.com slash momentum. And my show is Pivot Podcast, just in case you liked this conversation and want to hear more like it. And kudos to you, Valerie. You get my podcast hosts award. You're so good at what you do. What a gift (laughs) to the world. Thank you. Thank you. And I know I'll talk about momentum in the intro, but like, you know, just an obvious plug that I am a member. I love it. I will continue to be a member. And um, if anybody listening is like, I'm really digging this Jenny person, then uh, hop on over and join us. It's super fun. Um, so thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to share this with people. And yeah, that's all I Yay, got. Thank you so much. Thanks for all the thoughtful questions. And big thanks to everybody who's here listening. 
OMG friend, you made it all the way to the end of the episode. It is truly an honor that you've chosen to spend this time with me. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can find show notes for this and other episodes at ValerieKMartin.com slash podcast. And that's just the letter K. And just to make it a little confusing, you can find me on Instagram at Val K Martin, V-A-L-K-A-Y Martin, spelled out. I love getting DMs from you guys about what you're enjoying in the podcast, questions, ideas for topics or interviews. And if you want to bring a huge smile to my face, leave a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. Just go to bit.ly slash WTFP review, all lowercase, and it'll take you less than a minute. I'll see you next time. And until then, keep asking the big questions.